Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Previously on The Storyteller, murder most foul. A killer is convicted but serves only 14 years. He's then asked uh, how do they find the accused Pamela Gurley in relation to the charge on the indictment of murder. And at that stage, he replies, guilty. I go on the search for answers. Most people come here for tourism, but I'm here to try and find a killer. And Melanie's mum reveals her never-ending torment. I'm still doing mine after 20 years, coming up for 20 years. And mine goes on. The only way I mine finishes if I get dementia or die. And that pain's going to be with me forever. I'm Isla Traquair, a storyteller. I was the young journalist who covered this murder, my first of many. And now I'm going to share with you this story, which is still as shocking today as the day it happened. I'm hunting down the people at the heart of this case, most importantly, the killer, to see if I can finally get some answers and discover the truth behind this murder most foul. This is The Storyteller, Murder Most Foul, written, produced and edited by me, Isla Traquair. So here I am back in the northeast of Scotland. It's a very uh, grey, wet, rainy day. Here's a good Scottish word, dreich. <laughs> dreich is that kind of rain that's just, it's like a thick mist and you get soaked even though you can't see it. Um, and I'm actually, I'm quite, I'm excited and nervous and lots of emotions because, and I'll be honest, I obviously didn't say this uh, in the podcast previously because I didn't know for sure but there were rumours that Chris Taylor had uh, had died um, now I don't know where the rumour came from but basically no one had heard from him after this court case and I couldn't find him anyway the other day I just I was I don't know five in the morning and I was awake and I just started having another look I found one photo on a social media thing that didn't have the right information and it looked like him and uh, I only had two friends. Anyway, let's just say it took me a while going down the rabbit hole and I became more and more sure this was the right Chris and thankfully I ended up with a few people on my behalf being able to reach out. I was so desperate to make sure it was him. Yesterday morning I got a text message and it just said Chris Taylor and I phoned him up and... I was so happy to talk to him. I was so happy to talk to him to know that he's all right. I mean, I say he's all right. He's not all right. He's had a very difficult time. Anyway, I'm going to, first of all, pick up his mum because uh, he's very close with his family and he asked me actually to call his mum as soon as I hung up on the phone on him to tell her. They didn't know I was doing the podcast. They hadn't heard about it. So this is uh, quite exciting for them because they have been dogged by rumours and stigma for the past 20 years. Um, his mum's lovely, she's called Jean 
So I'm going to pick up Jean first and then I'm going to pick up Chris and then we're going to have some lunch and then we're going to have a chat. Um, there were some tears on the phone yesterday and I'm imagining there's going to be more tears. Uh, this is a very emotional subject. As you will hear from Chris himself, this has not been an easy time for him. Even after all this time, uh, it is a dark cloud over his life. Well, started well and I managed to get lost. Oh, hold on. Unlock. Right, that's it. Hello, my dear. It's lovely to meet you. I'm so sorry. My sat navs just tonight. Give me a hug. Oh, it's so nice to meet I you. Know, you. How too. are you? Okay. I had about two hours sleep because I was so... I can't explain. I've been working on this. I mean, I did this only 20 years ago, but I've been working on this for... Uh, what month have we been? Since June, basically. Yeah. June. So where are we now? November. Mm -hmm. And I... You know, literally since I, one of the first things I did was try and find Chris. I was getting emotional because I was saying I thought he was dead and mm -hmm. I'm about to go and meet a ghost basically yeah. and I'm so excited. I'll just get out and give him a hug. Here he is. Come here. I want to give you a hug. <laughs> Hi. Oh, nice to meet you too. How are you? You're going to pop in the back. Your mum's shotgunned, okay? We drove to Aberdeen Beach for lunch so we could get to know one another before doing the interviews in the car, the only place I could find privacy on a cold November day. Unlike previous episodes in which I weave the interviews and narrative, this one is raw interviews that I've left long, as this is the first time we hear from Chris and his mum. And as you'll see, my first question to Jean resulted in an outpouring of emotion that has been locked away for 20 years. Pamela Gurley's accusation badly affected the whole family. Despite it being proven in court, he had no involvement. How did you feel when I phoned you yesterday? Because you had no warning that I was going to call you. Oh. I was pretty upset because we did it away for 20 years. And I felt upset for him. He's the one just for me. Sorry. I was not setting the phone. I just was thinking about oh, how it felt 20 years ago. I was actually quite scared that he wouldn't survive it. I'm sorry. But I'm happy mm. to do the interview. I'm yeah. just... Uh, it must have come as a bit of a shock though. because yeah, I was on the phone to Chris and he said... I need you when you hang up to call my mum. Mm -hmm. And I said, but does she know? And he said, no, you mm -hmm. tell her. Mm -hmm. And then, so it must have come, and he, here I come on going, hi, by the way, I'm doing a, a And the podcast. thing was, I wasn't even going to answer the phone because, but, you know, you get calls. Yeah, you think it's a funny call. And I thought, oh, I'm not answering this. I think Chris would have found it hard to actually tell me. Yeah, yeah, that's um, why he, I can tell you're very close though, yeah. you know. Um, and I'm sorry, obviously it's just such a painful, painful thing mm -hmm. to talk about still because it's had a huge impact. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even after all these years. Mm -hmm. So if you don't mind, we, could we go back to that yeah. period of time where yeah. Chris at the time, we know that he had been struggling with heroin. and yeah. he, But at that point, he'd been clean and yes. was doing, doing well. Yeah, definitely. He had been to rehab. He came back to live with us. He yeah. said, well, you come back until you get somewhere to stay. And eventually he did get a flat in Ockert Road. 
Dadis had started before he got the flat. He mm-hmm. was still staying with us. Yeah, because it was Gordon. Gordon's, Gordon's Mills yeah. Road. So he was still living at home. Yeah. 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 So he'd come out of rehab, he was mm-hmm. back living with you, yeah. and this is the, the period of time where he met Pamela. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember the first time he said that he had met a girl or that you were introduced to her? or? Um, he never told me he'd met a girl because at this time he was friends with Claire and he was friends with Wendy and Graham and that sort of stayed in from Martin Road mm-hmm. um, and he he never really said he'd met her and then he just took her back one night the only night I'd ever seen her and he just says oh this is Pam he came back for something I, I can't remember who it was he came back for and he just says this is Pam and I just said hiya and he said but we're off Looking about, and that was it. Yeah. I so just, you thought this is probably a new, a new love yeah, interest. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Prior, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I knew I was going to yeah. do this anyway, and no, I think that's why. Think that's why Chris doesn't want yeah, me there. Fair enough. Claire had said to me that at that time, you know, Chris was out of rehab, cleaned, mm-hmm. but um, he, at that point, was maybe a little low in self-esteem and thought, yes. well. There's not going to be many women interested in me if, yeah. I'm, if I've had a drug addiction. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I think that's probably true. Mm-hmm. And um, then, of course, he meets Pamela, who, you know, as far as everyone else is concerned, is a yeah. lovely girl. So was you, did you have any impression of her or was it... Was it... Uh, well, I thought that she looked a bit... I want to say dodgy because I don't really can, but there was something... Davis about the look of her because she never said anything. No, and then it's about come back to her who's but at least said, No, hi Anne, how are you doing? And but she just sort of stood there and didn't hear any conversation. Mm-hmm. It was just a hi and just sort of sullen look and that was it. Mm. So if you think you if you're you know, even if it is a new boyfriend, mm-hmm. you do you make a bit of an effort yeah. with the parents. Yeah. But there wasn't. No, uh-huh. absolutely not. Mm. When did you first find out that there was a, a body had been found? Chris told me, because it came in the news, and he said, that's the building I was in with Pam. He says, I hope she's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, I wonder if it's happened. He says, but it's definitely the building I was in. Mm-hmm. So that was all that we knew then, mm-hmm. uh, that a body had been found. and. And then Chris and Claire were desperate trying to get hold of her and couldn't, mm-hmm. so they all thought, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And obviously they then found out it was uh, m- poor Melanie and then a, a week or so passes. When did you find out that Pamela had been charged? She was out for a week or so before mm-hmm. they actually charged her. It must have been on TV. That must have been how I found it. And she'd been, she'd been charged because I'm, I remember Chris sent me I could not believe she would have been an idiot. He was actually Tina Barkin. I don't think he believed that she had done that. And he said, she can't have done that. And I said, well, somebody did. I said, and they've charged her. And then obviously they've got evidence of some kind to charge her. So he he got called as a witness, but mm-hmm. he goes in thinking he's just there to give evidence because yeah. he was with her the night before to explain the timings of things. Yeah, because we had to give... I had to give evidence as well. Near the actual court. Okay, just I didn't. I lined up near him to go, thank God, because I was so ready to be gone. Um, I had two CID officers up 
and that was when they'd asked me about Chris's clothes. The time we came home, but he had happened to phone my husband in the morning to get a lift him for two, but he was working that day, and thank God they found the phone call. They'd asked if you had washed his clothes yes. that he'd been wearing that yeah. night, and, and you, you, of course, that morning he did come home, because mm-hmm. he'd stayed the night at hers and then came home, so... Mm-hmm. He still had the same clothes on that he had the night before, came home, had something to eat, because uh, Chris was always hungry. I uh, went and lay down in the bed. So Chris goes to court. You think that he's just going to give some yeah. regular evidence mm-hmm. um, that's not really related. It's more the issue, the background, setting yeah. of the scene to, to the timing. Yeah. Did you go to court that day? No. I never went because I thought... I knew one of his friends, I think it was Karen Henderson, was going with him. And I, to be quite honest, I was too worried about seeing Chris as a witness because I knew he was nervous. And when did you hear that he'd been named in the... Because one of my neighbours came up to me and said, she's blaming Chris. And I thought, oh my God. Uh, and I, 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 well, he'd an outreach worker at that time and I, he, David phoned and he'd said, where is he? And I said, I don't know. I said, but you'll have to find him. <laughs> Because he'll never handle us. So he did go and try and find him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't, but me and my husband went down to the flat at night because I knew he'd left court with Karen and he was standing on a hot road. And I said to Karen, all for no intent, hey, Karen let us in. And I said, Where is he? She's in the toilet. And I said, Is he okay? And she says, Really? She says, He's absolutely devastated to think. For folk to think it did actually do art to mm-hmm. a young girl. Mm-hmm. So. And he was quite vulnerable at that stage to. You knew instantly. Yeah. yeah. This is not something he can cope with. No. And you're right, Alastair. You didn't think it I mean, my eldest daughter was working at that time in the Northern Hotel. She wasn't asleep and she was buried. I mean, everything just went through the door. Mm-hmm. Because. It was portrayed in the paper as well. This is a deprived area you came from, kind of drugs and... Well, no. We all had jobs, we all worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't sit in the door. I only gave up work when I had my youngest team, went back to work and to school. I've only been at work for a fit, maybe 15 years now. That was because of health reasons. It wasn't mm-hmm. the sake of, but they just, they portrayed them as, well, it's a poor, hard to let area. You know it's rife with drugs. Well, it was never we said, because I never had one. We stayed in Tilly Road for 18 years, and I never had any issues, mm-hmm. apart from my own family, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never had any issues with people, so they were just, they were sort of just saying, well, that's the area you come from, that's what you do. Yeah. You, you get into stuff like that, and it's just not true. Mm-hmm. They wanted to label him mm-hmm. because he fitted... Yeah. A crime profile of being yes. a young man mm-hmm. and drugs, and then that's instantly a tick as to why mm-hmm. this could have, you know. Yeah. At what point, and we do know that he sadly fell off the wagon mm-hmm. within that week, but yeah. at what point did you know that he was he was doing drugs again? I knew he'd be, he'd be back on drugs as soon as that happened. I knew that he, it, it, 
he would never, I knew he'd never be able to handle it and I knew he'd be back on drugs mm. and that's exactly what happened. Because I, I remember the CID phoned me when he was in court, the second time he went back he'd, he'd been yeah. he'd been taking volleys. And they phoned and said, look, we've managed to get Chris out the back door, he's been silly all day, he's done some silly stuff, he says, but we've made sure he's got out the back door before people seen him. Yeah. He says, but we kind of expected it because we knew he was vulnerable then. He looked so different. I, I saw him the first time he was in mm-hmm. the witness box and the shock yeah. that he had when he was yeah. asked mm-hmm. if he did that's the first time he didn't get warned. No. And I saw him the second time and there was a noticeable difference in his weight yeah. and his appearance. And, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it, it was obvious that, mm-hmm. and, and obviously the this uh, friend of his or acquaintance of his who had incriminated him. How did you feel when you found out that this chap was was trying to um, incriminate him? Absolutely furious, really, because I thought, you know, it doesn't realise is it enough? Mm. We even somebody blaming him for doing the murder. So why would somebody do that? And you believe you know the motivation of him oh, doing yeah. that? Oh yeah, he Chris money. It was as simple as that, mm-hmm. and he'd been avoiding him. And I mean, art was probably, I'm going to be honest, a drug thing, mm-hmm. but he owed Chris money and I know he did. I mean, it was all lies anyway, mm-hmm. committing court. After she was found guilty, mm-hmm. did that change anything or did you feel there was still a stigma? I thought there was definitely still a stigma because um, as much people believed he didn't do it, the stigma's there because once the stigma's there, it doesn't leave. I mean, maybe 20 years on now, and I think for me, absolutely right, it was hard. I think we tried to put it to bed. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because, um, I mean, my youngest son, he was texting me last night and I said, oh, we're going to meet you today. He remembers things that we did, but he remembers because we've been on TV or yeah. things like that. And he'd heard Park and said, oh my, I thank God, if that other time. And he says, how do you feel about, do you know this? And I said, well, you know, if it's to be your closure, and I said, you need to get something, it may be Chris closure. Yeah. No, just me. Or Melanie's mum, I said, if it's going to help her, and he said, oh, oh, mum, you think you're braver than me. And I said, well, it's not a point of being brave, it's a point of to think about other people. Yeah. And I so, um. And you've never spoken, and Chris has never, you've never had a voice. Chris has never had a voice in this. No. It's been whatever was said at the time. Right. And, and of course, yeah. I, I, and to be fair as well, you know, as you can imagine, he was in an absolute state that day. Mm-hmm. So when he did get photographed, I think on the first day coming out of oh, court, yeah, I think he no. gave the finger to photograph, yeah, which did. you would do, which you would do, because right. you'd be so, but again, that's pl- in the eyes of people looking at media, it would be playing into the that's stereotype right. or that's whatever, right. but, and, and there would right. be, oh, well, he must be, you know, um, mm-hmm. it, it's a mark against his character. Yeah. Did you feel that you had people even, you know, people in your life questioning you or whispering about you or...? Oh, yeah, I would think probably what was going on, but I knew the people would never say anything to me. Mm-hmm. And that was worse because I was quite able at that time and still am to speak off myself. I don't need somebody... I've had other things in my life that I've managed to sort out and you're learning and you speak up for yourself and look after yourself and your own family. So 
You'd have been oh, quite... If they'd confronted oh, you yes. about it and asked you, you'd have Definitely. been quite confident. Mm-hmm. To, but then instead, what they do is they whisper behind your back. Yeah. And then, of course, they, yeah. you know, think that... Yeah. Well, whatever they want to think. This had an impact not just on Chris. It mm-hmm. had an impact on your, your whole family, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, I think... Um, for my youngest daughter as well, I think I said you yesterday, she was 15 or she was 12. It's gone to school... And I knew things were going on at school. Getting teased. Mm-hmm. So then I had to go and meet up with the guidance teacher, and he said, I know you're having a hard time. And I said, well, I really didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he can, I said, look, I can do it. She'll speak to her. And, but I had to put her at school. Mm-hmm. I couldn't keep her off school. Yeah, she had to go to school, yeah. Yeah. And then my oldest daughter as well, she... Um, I don't know, can maybe... She knew we would never get into drinking drugs. I, I can't see if it was a, the fact the factor yeah. for her. After she was found guilty, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure you must have been relieved, at least from that perspective. Yeah. But what what was life like for Chris after that? I think life was just a downward spiral after that. Really, she she did three times. He picked up again, but it was always just something there. And he used to hate when it was in the papers. And you'd hate when it was in the TV, when she would do her appeals and Abdi would be listening and who's she's getting us appeal, you know, mm. all those things. So he actually, he just hated the fact that one thing had come up for it was he going to be named again. Mm. And a lot of times he was. How would you sum up what, what this woman has done to Chris and your family's life? Um... Basically, it's just been 20 years or just shit. Just hell, really, because it's been all this time the family get folk to feel like they can back off on instead of wondering every time something comes up in the paper or... What do you hope that this, doing this interview with me, will do? Um, well, you know this, I think... I've lived through a lot of things, so I, I, the only thing I hope is it can be him closure. Mm-hmm. And, and just give him a bit of peace. It's somebody else believes him. And how do you feel about the fact that people all over the world are listening into this podcast and they're invested in it and they feel a lot for, for Melanie well, and for Chris? you know, I'm quite happy about that because it lets him can it there's others people then I disbelieve him. Mm-hmm. Because I still think that she still feels I got blamed for this and didn't do anything. Do you think she's persuaded herself, like deluded <laughs> herself that yes. she didn't do it? Yes, I do. How do you actually feel about her as, as a person? Uh, um, I would say I despise her because you can really... She didn't just disrupt... Melanie's mum's life, she disrupted our life, my young kids' life, young kids at school, my daughter going to work, my husband going to work because it was, you're sitting in a booth and everybody's reading the papers, you know, and they're reading out about how the girl got murdered and all this sort of stuff. So, well, I think it's a good thing for, if, I think it'd be closure for a lot of us, the whole lot of us. How does it make you feel? seeing that your son's had such a troubled life which mm-hmm. had a lot to do with this 
um, it's disrupted his health and his work. Mm-hmm. And when you hear that she's leading a sort of normal life and has a job and has well, friends, yeah, how does that make you feel? Um, uh, that makes me pretty... It's about disgusted by her because she has got a life. His life was over for the court mm. and it's still on the balance. There's a lot of times Chris has got depression, a lot of times he's bucking drugs, a lot of times he's clean, but she made up 100 times worse. Mm-hmm. And he's clean right now, thank goodness. Yeah. yeah. Through this, I think Chris will always dabble in drugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you can't something. Sometimes you just have to accept that. Yeah. That you cannot change somebody's life mm-hmm. if, unless they want to change it. And when they're not life the cart, it's so hard. For them to do to it. And you can understand him mm-hmm. feeling hard done by mm. that being named in a murder trial mm-hmm. that you had nothing to do with and yeah. then living with that stigma. Yeah. And and sadly it was a girl he hadn't known very long. No. They had had sex with mm-hmm. probably a handful of times. Aye. That's right. And mm-hmm. that's that's what happens. I mean you as you said, you'd go meet somebody who sex with him leave them next morning and she's went walked back and slit somebody's throat and killed him. You have to be a psychopath to do that. And you know it's something, I'm quite worried she's still out. Because if she can do that and stops and somebody else, cause I was always worried about her coming back. I think it's quite scary if she's out. Jean Taylor there, Chris's mother, a very strong woman who's held her family together despite the catastrophic impact of Pamela Gurley's accusation. Next, I interviewed Chris, and this is not something he's spoken about. And with his ongoing bouts of depression, it's difficult to go back to that time and discuss a very brief romance which ruined his life. Gosh, where do we begin? Actually, Chris, I I, I did mention this to you on the phone, but I'm just going to say it again. I'm so glad to be talking to you because there had been rumours that uh, there were yes. rumours that you weren't here anymore. Yes, rumours that I was dead. Mm-hmm. And I was very glad when I got that text message yesterday from you <laughs> after my various risp- people trying to get in touch I with you on my behalf. Spirit, spirit talking, yeah. How did you feel when you... Well, I think there was a few people trying to get hold of you when you found out there's a woman trying to get hold of you about... The, the case involving you um, all those years ago. I was a bit shocked, actually. Because you had no idea the podcast was happening? No idea at all. I'd heard whispers that something was coming off, but I think I just put it to the back of my head. And when I explained to you, you know, fully the fact that there are already hundreds of thousands of people all over the world have heard it and more will continue to hear it, how did that make you feel? Quite shocked as well. Are you glad that someone is finally um, delving into this in such a detailed way so that people can understand that you had no involvement in it? Oh yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'll take you back to that period of time. So back in 1999, you'd, you'd had some problems with drugs and you'd been into rehab, is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So take me through that. Well, what was your life like at that point? Oh, chaos, or a chaos through drugs. Um, then I'd come out of rehab, I think it was just after summer, 99. 
think it was around about August 1999. And, and do you remember you were you were who you were hanging about with at the time, what life was like? Because I think at that point you were trying to create a new circle of friends. Yeah, yeah it was in my new circle of friends, Claire. Obviously, through Claire, I met Pamela. And then obviously you guys became romantically, although casually, involved. Yes. So obviously you must have liked her then. Yes. What What was Pamela like? Friendly and outgoing at that point in time. She was just getting to know her. So it was very early days in yeah, your relationship. Yeah, yeah. And she'd met, but she'd met your mum though. Yeah. Yes. Claire said that she was quite a kind person. That she she used to always bring her biscuits or help oh, out yeah, with the daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. She'd always help out with the child and all. Whatever was needing done and stuff like that. And at this point in your life, when when you had you'd been in rehabilitation and you you'd come out and you're clean, was it a nice thing to to have a, a female interested in you? Because yeah, you, you must have yeah. been feeling a bit low, I guess, in yeah, yourself. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think it was. Yes. Do you remember the night of the eighth of October, the night before Melanie died? Just having a chat and having a. Having a beer, having a joint, having a chat. So would you say it was quite kind of chilled as opposed yeah, to some... Yeah, just laid back, a laid back, yeah, normal night. Because it wasn't the case that it was a drug-fueled night of... No, it sort wasn't of... part music on full walk, partying and... No, it was none of that. And do you remember uh, the, the taxi journey back and she said that, I think... The, the, she tried to get money out at two different places and couldn't find her. Yes, cash. yeah, I do, yeah. But she said she had money in her purse, but she just couldn't I find it. I believe so, yes, yeah, something like that, yeah. She had money in a bag or something. And do you remember the rest of that evening once you got back to her place? We were up in uh, Palmless Flat. And I believe we were just chilling there. I think listening to music, probably having sex and that. Well, it must have been, well, definitely was at one point. Well, the forensics can actually prove yes, that. <laughs> so, yeah, <I> know. <laughs> the things that I come know, out in court. I know, I know, you'd be surprised. So, um, and then in the morning, you got up pretty early. Were you yeah, working? Yeah, I did, yeah. Got up pretty early, yeah. You decided you wanted to go home? Yeah, I just decided what, what to make head. we get home early, get a shower, get washed and get showered at home. Spend some time with my little brother and that. She decided she'd walk you up. Yeah, she goes as far as um, I think it was Union Street. She tried the bank there. Then I can uh, there was no money, so I continued walking, made my way home. Which obviously she made her way back, and that's when all the trouble started. Do you remember saying goodbye to her that day? Yes, I do actually. Yeah. Yep. I remember seeing the guy on Union Street. Yep, I remember saying goodbye. And it would have just been see see you later or see you tomorrow? Oh, it would have just been a catch-up later on. Because mm -hmm. I, I think that was a Saturday morning or something. I think we said catch-up maybe later on at night or and something like that, if I remember right. And would you have kissed goodbye? I'd probably give it a peck in the cheek or something, I think so. You then go home, life carries on as normal, 
Um, yep. And then you, I think you maybe did see her again that weekend. And then when did you first hear that a body had been found? I think it was, in, was it Monday or Tuesday or something? One of the mornings it was on the news. Early morning news, I think it was. So you recognise the property belonged yep, to, yeah, to where yeah, your, your casual yep, girlfriend lived? Yeah. What was your initial thought when you found out it was a young woman who'd been found? I thought it was her. And how did that make you feel? I was near sick. So did you try calling her then? I know Claire was trying to get a hold of her. What, yep. did, you, what did you...? Sure, there was no answer on her phone. She would try to get through. Because everybody was just phoning everybody. Because you obviously had affection for her. I know you guys weren't at the stage. Oh, yeah. You weren't in love with oh, each other, but you oh, had... Oh, no, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I slept with the girl and I would... If something did happen, I would have liked to have known. How did you find out that she had been arrested? I can't remember the police officers had told me because I'd, I'd been called down to the, the police station three or four times. Maybe more than that. Because you had to give your movements to corroborate yeah, what yeah, she had said to yeah. them, yeah. Because I think they started becoming suspicious. Because, yeah, like I'd been doing probably three or four times to speak to different detectives. And it was a few different detectives, and I think they all came to the same conclusion that I had nothing to do with it. When you then found out that she was actually charged and they must have had evidence against her. How did that make you feel? Did you believe it to begin with? When the, uh, when the police released it, um, they said that she'd been cut. <clears throat> I remember her speaking, I'm sure she was went on a bit talking about a set of knives because she was a chef or something. I remember that. Uh, Sticking in my head. She had, yeah, she that had a roll of knives. She'd, uh, I, she was, I'm sure she was a chef or a, a cook or. She was a chef, yeah. Something like that. I think she was, I think she was, I think she was talking about her job or something and. Like, I can't mind how we going to the roll of knives. I think she was talking about the price of them or something. I can't, I don't know. She had an expensive set of knives. Aye. How, how dear they can get or something. Mm -hmm. How expensive they can get. You get told that she's been charged and you're shocked but not shocked. Yeah. Was there part of you hoping that there was a mistake and it was someone else or...? I think there was a part of me thought um, it must be a mistake, do you know what I mean? But I was always at 5%. You are told that you then have to go to court yeah. and um, this is the following year. So it's been some months. And when you go to court, what do you think you're going there to do? Be a witness for the prosecution, I thought. Explain me leaving her flat and walking home. But... And about, I guess also about her state of mind, like what, what she was like at the time, yeah, you know. The, do you remember what, I mean, were, were you guys still stoned at all or was it morning time in your... No, kind of... it was morning time. No, it was morning. It was something like half past eight, nine o'clock or something, if I remember right. So she was quite compass mentis. Oh, aye. Yep, and I left her, aye. You'd gone out in the fresh air of October morning. Oh, Walked aye. quite, I mean, it's a probably 15, 20 minute walk. Oh, aye, aye, at least, aye, about two yeah. minutes. Yeah, so you're fully awake and... Oh, I definitely. Yeah. 
Definitely. We'll go back to that day in court. You're standing in the witness box. The prosecution uh, is obviously asking you about the, you know, the, your movements with Pamela and to corroborate the CCTV, etc. Right. But something pretty shocking then happens when the defence cross-examine you. <laughs> it's a bit of an understatement, no? I thought he was having a laugh. I was just... The colour just drained. I was told the colour drained from my face. A mate of mine was in the a, in a court and he says the colour just drained from your face. The boy turned around and said, I put it to you, Mr Taylor, that you did slosh Melanie th Stern's throat or something. And apparently I was just stood there and was like, what? What are you talking about? And I just never seen that coming. Never seen that coming at all. Did your brain manage to absorb the enormity no. of what was happening? No, I couldn't comprehend. I think it must have took us about 10 minutes. I couldn't comprehend what was going on. I was like, eh? And here's I'm trying to lay it on my lap. And I remember sitting out, I remember just standing in a box and I remember looking over all deep as any court and just thinking, oh shit. Because you're a guy. Aye. And you're tall. Yep. And here she is, this tiny yep. petite thing. Yep. Like, He's not going to be capable of doing anything like that. My gosh, she wasn't. <laughs> Did she give you eye contact when you had to identify her? No, she, court? Ne she never made eye contact, not once. The whole court. What was it like seeing her though? Because you guys. And I was staring at her. I was wanting her to make eye contact with me, Michelle. How did it feel though that someone that you've had an intimate relationship with, because there's a level of trust there when you have. Oh, it was good. I was fucking heartbroken. I was like, oh my god. After that. Body blow, I think that's the only way it can be described, of, uh, of a line of questioning. <laughs> when you finished giving evidence, I know that that was a difficult moment for you, for someone who was recovering from yeah. a drug addiction. How soon after that did you take drugs? <laughs> Same day, probably. Same day. I guarantee you, I was drunk and drunk and using by that night. And then you got called back a week later. Now, I've covered this in the podcast already that Peter Cumming had uh, come forward claiming oh, yes, you confessed yeah, it, but then yeah. the, 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 it didn't. It didn't make sense. Why? Why did he do that? Do you think? Oh well, I was selling drugs at the time. And he was doing my money for drugs. He thought if I was out the road, he wouldn't have to pay for the money that, for the, the drugs I gave him. It's a pretty extreme thing to do. It is. How did you feel about him when he did that? I'm just like, dirty little bastard. Knowing that somebody else knew I didn't do it, and, and he's coming over with shit like that. It was like, oh me. Literally from the day that you first got accused in court, what impact did it have on your life? A lot of alcohol and drug use affected me psychologically, badly. Put me in a deep depression. Been depressed for a long time. Still having issues with depression. How did you feel about her then? I just didn't. I just tried to raise her in my head. 
100%, just, I, I didn't even want to think about her. Out of sight, out of mind. Then 14 years later, she's out. And now, more or less six years after that, we're doing this, and she hasn't even apologised. She's got no intent in apologising. How did you find out that she'd been let out? I'm sure someone had seen something in a newspaper and phoned, and phoned me and tell, told me. And how did you feel? And I just thought, oh, for fuck's sake, here we go. Were you worried she might contact you? It went through me. I wasn't worried. It went through my head. I wonder if she'll try. But and do you ever think about Melanie's family? Aye. I do, actually. Aye, I have. What a shame. Every birthday, every Christmas, at least twice a year, three times a year, you're going to have major thoughts on an issue, you know what I mean? Obviously, she's probably got to think about her poor daughter every day. But I imagine it like Christmas, birthdays, Halloween. There's nothing I can describe it. When I called you yesterday, and uh, I was so relieved to speak to you, I know that you're all right. Although I say all right, you've had a challenging life, but you're you're right now. You're alive and well, and you're clean, which is great. Aye, but it's no. I am. Um, I said to you the first thing I did though when I found out that you were alive was I phoned Susan, and I told her that you were okay, and she was so relieved. And when I told Bless you that, her. you got quite upset yesterday, because she's got compassion. You've both gone through something horrendous and caused by the same person. It's a strange connection that you share, but it's... Um, it's ruined your lives. She won't show no remorse. And that's what gets me. She's got that air of entitlement. What would you like? I mean, obviously, I've asked her. She's got a letter from me and an email. Um, what would you like in, a, in an ideal world? What would you like for Pamela to do? Apologise to Susan. Even that's not enough. Do you think she even had a motive? Do you think it was? No, she never had a motive. Why? Can't I fathom it. You don't think robbery? Because, she, I mean, there really was nothing to steal, but... No, it was just pointless. I just don't understand it. But do you feel that you've had your sort of hands tied for the past 20 years? Like, because I know obviously at the um, time you yep. would have wanted to talk, but yep. does it feel. Is it a relief for you to talk about it now? Oh, I has been, no way. Big weight lifted off my shoulders. And obviously, I don't want to come into your life and upset you, but I, I oh, hope no, that this yeah, helps. No, no. I'm upset, it's all right. No, no it's, it's helped us. It's probably helped my mum marry me, which I'm glad about. You know what I mean? I'd rather. She's all right then. She's all right. She's hopeful that by speaking to me, it might give you some closure. Because I guess you haven't had closure. Probably will, I will. Your mum's an amazing woman. Yeah, if it wasn't for her, believe me. Mm. I don't think I'd be here. You told me on the phone, you said that. You've come close a few times to yep. wanting to end it. Is that just because of all the stress of it all? Back in the day, it was, yeah. I'm, like, I've been all right the past 15 years. 
first few years of it, it's pretty bad. And was the motivation for wanting to end it, was that largely to do with the, the aftermath of the court case? Yeah, a lot to do with it now. How does it feel for you when you actually contemplate the words of one person trying to get herself off a murder charge and you sadly were just happened to be the person that she was starting a romantic liaison with and you get dragged into this that, that could have ended up with you killing yourself? I've even done mates saying, fuck, it could have been, she could have plugged you, she could have done you. We used to say, I wasn't lying sleeping and we just don't know. Do you think she's dangerous? Yeah. Oh, she's definitely got traits, like, just so fucking disrespectful. They gave you a prison and... and even issue an apology or anything. Even attempt kind of make amends. You'll never be able to make amends, you know what I mean? Something's it's, better than nothing, though, exactly, isn't it? Exactly. Just mm-hmm. fucking try. Try and say sorry. Even if it doesn't get accepted, you tried and... A letter or something. Do you something. understand yeah. why, why fuck it happened? Why did it happen? I, I hope she does talk, but um, I think there's a few people have the same the same thought as you, is that she's too selfish, she just doesn't want to... I think the only reason that she might speak is because she's forced to, because there's so much pressure, because she's created this life for herself and she's probably told people a version that either she was off her head on drugs or it wasn't really her... She was wrongly convicted. She wasn't off her head on drugs, though. No. I know. I can remember that night, and I was... I had major drug issues. If I can remember it, I, I know... She, if you can remember it, you know that you were fine. I, You're pretty much I, sober I, then. Exactly. You'd had a smoke Belief, of a joint. Aye. I had a couple of puffs of a joint up, was it? Nothing to compare to it. I can remember most that night. She was non, not under influence. And they say psychotic episodes, none of that shit. And you have a daughter who's now, she's in her 20s now? 20s, yeah. So as a father... I mean, I even said that the cop was talking to her. He was like, he goes, how do you know you want to do something like this? I goes, because I've got a fucking daughter on my own. And he went away and he came back and she let mum away. But again, it was emotions I was showing her. Or what, but they all seem to know that I had nothing to, to do with it. Again, every time I did come in and speak some more, they'd go, right, on you go, kind of, away you go. The more I came in and took, the more I spoke, they got to know the you. more there was like, this is getting me a fucking hand, just away you go. Well, I just hope that lots of people are going to hear this and uh, I know the truth. Yeah, I hope so. And thank you for being a big part of it. And no I know problem. that uh, thank you for calling. it's a difficult thing to talk about, especially after so many years and you probably just want to bury it. But I but I hope this does yep. <laughs> I hope this does at least clean out the wound a bit. I know. I know. I really do. So that was Chris Taylor, the man Pamela Gurley tried and failed to lay the blame on for Melanie Sturton's murder. I found him to be genuine, honest, and more concerned for his mum and Melanie's family than himself. In the next episode, I bring Chris and Jean to meet Susan, Melanie's mum, in an emotionally charged meeting which had us all in tears.
Like, come over. Oh, so, God, <laughs> Susan, meet Chris. She's so beautiful. I'm sorry for you. That's in the next episode of The Storyteller Murder Most Foul. Thank you for listening. I'm Isla Traquair. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please go on to iTunes and rate and review. And there's lots of more information on social media, on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook.